0: You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. We've been looking over these last couple of weeks at um, what the church is about, because the church is, you know, it's copped a bit of an interesting wrap uh, these last um, last few few months, and uh, <clears throat> we, we've sort of peeled it back and gone right back to the foundations of the church to try to define what a church should be. Um, what is Jesus like? Because Jesus. Set himself apart for the church. Um, what should a Christian be? Because all those things, are, 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 they, they, they dovetail. They, they interact with one another. Um, who Jesus is and who a follower of Christ should be, obviously, is, you know, it's very, very similar. Um, there should be a lot of points of commonality there. And what the church should be and who Jesus uh, is, there should be a lot of points of commonality there. So, <clears throat> pardon me. So we've been looking at that, over these last few weeks. And um, just as a brief for those of you who, who weren't here or um, just a, a quick catch up, we, we, we defined a few things, hearing from God and sharing it, that was really important, that we hear what God says to us and we share it with somebody else. That keeps you fresh and it keeps you your life. Uh, that, that, that was the first week. The second week, we, we, we found out that nobody's alone um, in the body of Christ. There should be in the church, there should be nobody alone. Uh, that we are committed to something bigger than ourselves, and that commitment to community and that commitment to something bigger than ourselves allows us to move into purpose. Purpose not just for ourselves, not just for us corporately, but even purpose for our city, that cities have a purpose. So I want to pick up on one of those thoughts and drill down a little bit on it further today, and that's the whole idea of being alone. Because loneliness, I believe, is a massive issue in our world today. Um, there's a lot of talk today around about depression and, and, and mental illness. And uh, I think one of the great cures of, of mental illness is connectivity, it's community, it's connection. Uh, one, I think, of the, of the byproducts of modern society is, is this, this isolation, this atomization. Um, I read in the paper only a couple of weeks ago now That the greatest increase in terms of family in terms of dwelling type in australia over the last 10 years is the single person dwelling and they and and experts say that in the next 10 years that will pass the dwellings that contain families right mum, dad kids Uh, in another 10 years there'll be more individuals living alone than there is families living together and so it's an increasing problem we have this thing called social media right and uh, you know you can have 300 friends on Facebook or whatever you can have a whole bunch of connections on social media but I'm not sure that they equal friends I'm not sure just because you have a friend on Facebook it actually means you have a friend Um, because the fundamental foundation of friendship is trust okay if you don't have trust you don't have a friend now the foundation of trust isn't telling the truth you might think that well i trust you if you tell me the truth but it's part of it but it's not the foundation of it it's not being dependable because you can be dependable but i still don't 100 percent trust you the foundation of trust is this the foundation of trust is do i believe that you have my best interest at heart because you can be dependable and tell me the truth but not have my best interest at heart i'm not trusting you right Now, if I trust you, you know, you've got to tell the truth and be dependable. But the foundation is, do I actually believe that you have my best interest at heart? Let me put it to you another way. Do you want something from me or do you want something for me? If you want something for me, then I'm going to begin to trust you. If all you do is want from me, I'm going to grow very suspicious of your motives. And I don't want to take a survey here this morning, okay? I don't want you to put your hand up, but I just wonder how many people in this room have ever concluded, no one's completely on my side. Uh, everybody wants something from me, and I've about had enough of it. Uh, I don't know whether anybody completely understands me or just wants what's best for me. The Hebrew word for trust is interesting. The Hebrew word for trust is careless, carefree. And when you think about it, if I'm in the presence of somebody... Who wants the best for me, that I don't care how my hair looks, right? I don't care how my trousers are, I don't care, I'm careless, I'm carefree. That's the whole idea behind trust. Trust is, you want, I believe that you want for me, and I don't believe that you want from me. What we're going to do this morning is we're going to delve into a very interesting story we find in the book of Acts where we learn a whole lot about friendship. So if you've ever thought you need a friend, if you've ever felt lonely, if you've ever thought no one's on my side, you've come to the right place this morning, welcome. I'm glad you're here. Because this morning, we're gonna go through a story, we're gonna learn some things, and look, you might wanna jot a couple of things down because you go, wow, there's the key to friendship. There's the key to building relationships. Then you'll be able to go out put that into practice and hopefully increase the value, increase the happiness, the joy of your life. We're going to pick up a story in, our, in the book of Acts, which was written by Luke, who was a doctor, uh, and Dr. Luke was keeping a historical record for a rather notable friend of his, and we happen to have a copy of that manuscript that's nearly 2,000 years old what we define as chapter 20, and they were put there for our benefit, not Luke didn't write it like that. In verse 36, it says this, when Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with them all and prayed. He was speaking to a group of believers in a town called Ephesus, which is, you know, in um, uh, modern day Turkey. I've had the great benefit of being there and actually seeing where Paul spoke in Ephesus. Uh, it says they all wept as they embraced him and kissed him you can see that there is a very deep friendship here there's a very deep warmth you you don't want to miss this they were grieved Uh, what grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again and they accompanied him to the ship and he sailed off and he left his great friends at Ephesus in Acts chapter 2 it talks it really gives us a list of what it means to be a Christian one of the things that says this It says, they devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They didn't have to wait for a phone call from, you know, the life group leader. (laughs) They didn't have to sort of get, you know, leveraged into it by feeling guilt or whatever. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves. They made the decision that this is a priority, that this is important, that this is what I need to do. They didn't have to be sold or convinced or, or, uh, or, or picked up and taken. They devoted themselves to fellowship. Now, the word fellowship is an interesting word. It's lost a lot of its meaning, I think, over the years. Um, we've kind of uh, you know, d- reduced it down to drinking you know, uh, coffee, perhaps, after church. But uh, I-, I think perhaps a better word that we've kind of perhaps used today is community, community. Um, that they devoted themselves to living in with other people. We're going to investigate this. We're going to learn a little bit more about it. Uh, But but I love how it's defined by a 12th century um, European monk, whose name I won't even try to pronounce. But uh, he's written a book, and the title of his book, I think, defines what we're trying to talk about. He defines a a thing he calls spiritual friendship. Spiritual friendship. It's a book written by a 12th century monk, and it's, it's a really helpful book, on spiritual friendship now in case you tune out right in case you go to sleep over the next 25 minutes while i'm speaking I'll, i'm going to give you the four things that we're going to find as we read through this right i'm going to give you the four things so if you tune out i'll try to get you back before just to say goodbye uh but uh, but, but the first thing we're going to find is that friendships are needed the second thing we're going to find is that friendships are discovered the third thing we're going to find that friendships are made now you might think that there's a contradiction it's not a contradiction it's a tension friendships are both discovered and made all right stay with me and i'll explain how that both works how you discover a friend but you make a friend seems a contradiction it's actually a tension that we need to hold and the fourth one which is really important is that friendships are forever friendships are forever now what we see here paul saying goodbye to all these friends at ephesus they're there crying on the beach and hugging and praying and and paul's about to take off to a place called jerusalem he's heading to jerusalem Early on in the chapter, and we're going to go there a little bit later, uh, Paul says that God tells him to go back to Jerusalem or to go to Jerusalem. Now, he knows that if he goes to Jerusalem, he's gonna die, right? Because the church in Jerusalem, the Jews had kind of corrupted, you know, the Romans into killing Jesus, and now they're gonna do the same to Paul. So Paul knows that he's been sent there, he has to go there, but it's the end of his days. So he's walking into his death, if you will. And, uh, but he's happy to do it because he knows that, that there's a broader purpose and there's a broader reason for it. So it's, it's a rather tense moment, but his life's about to be characterized by one crushing trial after the other, after the other, after the other, but he's ready for it. And he's immersing himself in his friends. He, he's praying, he's hugging, he, he, and we're going to see even more in a moment how he immerses himself into friends before he goes and faces the great trial and the great culmination of his life where he makes the, the, um, uh, the legendary statement, you know, I've kept the faith, I, I've finished my race, and then he dies, and then he dies. Um, so it's, it's quite dramatic. One of the funny things we read, when we read uh, the account of the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, probably you've all heard of Adam and Eve, right? And, um, and in that account god says everything is good you know he creates the world it was good you know he creates uh the animals and they are good he creates a man it is good you read the first two chapters of the book of genesis and everything is good but one thing and the reason i'm showing you this is because sin doesn't enter the chapter three so after chapter three there's all kinds of pain and suffering and angst and heartache and so forth that exist in the story, in the narrative. But before chapter three, before the, you know, the apple thing you know, and, and Eve and, and, and the serpent, and, and before sin, there's only one thing that in perfection is not good. And you know what it is? God creates man and he is good. God creates the animals and they are good. But he says this, he says, it's not good for man to dwell alone. Now, even if you're here today and you you struggle with the Adam and Eve story, right? Because I don't know everybody in the room. You might not be a Christian. You might go, oh, it's a nice little fable. Even if you struggle with the whole Adam and Eve account, the truth of the matter is you understand that solitary confinement is one of the most heinous punishments that man knows to inflict on his fellow man. Because you and I are created for connection. We are created to be with one another. And, and here you've got Adam, right? Now, now cop this. Adam's living in paradise, right? I mean, have you ever thought to yourself, i just love to live on my own. <laughs> just have everything in my beck and call, you know? I've got this wonderful relationship with God. God walks with me in the cool of the day. I've got all of what I can ever, ever hope and desire. Here I'm living in paradise. There's no sin. There's no, there's no heartache. There's no, there's no disappointment. But it's not good, says God. And it's not good... Because man is on his own. Here's my point loneliness is not because you're imperfect. You feel lonely because you are perfect. Did you get that? You don't feel lonely because there's something wrong with you. You feel lonely because there's something right with you. Loneliness is not the result of some bad thing that's happened in your past. Loneliness is the result of your humanity. It's the result that you are created in the image of God. You see, Paul wasn't the only strong person who chose to be with people. There was a stronger man than him who chose 12. And they didn't always understand him and they didn't always get on and they didn't always seem to have his best interest at heart, but he persevered and he pushed through. You see, if you're afraid of people knowing your business, if you're afraid of accountability, if you're afraid of love, you need to know something, folks. It's making you less of a person it's, it's making you less like God so what tends to happen and this is this is normal for everybody is that we do get hurt we get ripped off and you know what you do you put up a wall you say well once like, well, one spit and twice shite you know um fool me once shame on shame on uh, you fool me twice shame on me right I'm not going to get hurt again so I'm not going to let anyone into my life so I'm going to just treat the world at a distance so I'm happy to have Facebook friends because I can turn them off when I've had enough of them right I'm happy to go to church, come in late, leave early, but I don't want to get involved with people. You probably don't make that decision at a conscious level, probably more at a subconscious level. But you do just tend to turn your back a little bit on people because of the pain that they've inflicted on you, or maybe they've moved away, and you're too old to start again, or or whatever the case may happen to be. What I want you to know this morning is the more you decide... That you need people less, the less like God you become, right? The more you decide you need people less, the less like God that you become. Now, nobody in this room, probably, right? Maybe somebody, but probably most of us have never said, oh God, I'm so thankful for the air. Oh, fill my lungs. It's wonderful. Lord, I love air so much, God. God, I'm so thankful for air. It's all I need. It's, oh, it's just so great. Probably no one's ever done that, right? Probably no one has really ever got you know, gone to rapturous praise of God because you can fill your lungs with air and because you've been able to, I don't know, you know, eat because without oxygen we don't have food and so forth and so on. Lord, I'm so thankful for air. Most people don't do that. But if I was to take your head and stick it under water for just a a bit more than a few seconds how many know oh god get me air! right and the point i'm making is this it's a very important point listen to this right before you realize you need friends it's too late if you wait to that moment it's too late it's easy to just go through life without bothering Without necessarily putting in the effort, but if you do, then by the time you realise it's important, it's too late. Friendships are needed. Next verse says, "After we tore ourselves away from them, <laughs> we tore ourselves away from." Them. It's quite a dramatic word, isn't it? We put, we set sail for Cause. The next day, we went to Rhodes, and from there to to uh, Pat- Patricia, and from. Uh, we found a ship crossing over to phoenicia went on board and set sail after sighting cyprus and passing to the south of it we sailed to syria we landed in tyre where our ship was to unload its cargo we sought out the disciples there and we stayed there for seven days so they're in tyre now they're staying with a group of people for seven days now the people who study this thing study you know paul's journeys they, they tell us I, I obviously don't know but they tell us that paul had never been to tyre before that he didn't start that church and so he's here's my point he's just discovered these people he didn't know these people he's landed in tyre he's found these believers and the next thing you know he's staying at their house and look what they're saying to him it says through the spirit they urged paul not to go to jerusalem when it was time to leave however paul didn't listen but when it was time to leave we left we continued on our way all of them including the wives and children accompanying us to, out of the city uh there on the beach we knelt and we prayed Same kind of scenario, same scene as that he left Ephesus. The only difference was, in Ephesus, he knew them. He'd been with them a long time. In Tyre, well, from what we can understand, is that he didn't know these people. He would turn up there for the first time. And my point is, friendships are not just needed. Friendships are discovered. Friendships are discovered. There is an ancient philosopher called Cicero who writes this on friendship. I find this really interesting. Listen to what his words are. He says the essence of friendship is not to look at each other, but to look at something in common. It's not that you look at each other saying, do you want to be in a relationship with me? But you look at something in common. The essence of friendship is, is, is to say not uh, you love me, but we love the same truth or the same thing, right? Not that we look at each other and say, how's our relationship? Are we doing Okay. <laughs> but that we look at something that has both captured our hearts with the same passion isn't that incredible because that's exactly what paul and the and these fellow believers attire had in common they didn't know each other but they had the same passion for the similar objective or the similar person in jesus christ so immediately they're friends because they have this affinity. They have this, this thing in common. Paul writes a similar kind of concept in Ephesians 4.3. He says, make every effort to keep the unity of spirit through the bond of peace. He doesn't say create it. He says maintain it because you discover it. And how is it discovered? It's discovered because this person and I have the same passion. We have the same focus. We have the same common uh, outlook in life. Um, i was watching as many of you were on wednesday night no doubt the state of origin and uh this came home to me with a, the, the force of a revelation when they spoke to a victorian uh, outside the mcg right queensland v new south wales in victoria it's got to be an abomination right it's got to be anyway there's this victorian guy right because th- what you do in victoria is when there's something at the mcg you go to watch it it doesn't matter what it is right <laughs> It can be Rugby League, it can be Rugby Union, it can be the AFL, it can be Billy Graham. They put Billy Graham in the MCG, and they've got 130,000 people turned up, you might not know that, but the biggest crowd the MCG's ever had was when a fellow by the name of Billy Graham turned up, <laughs> more so than any AFL grand final. But the point I'm simply making is, you put something at the MCG, and Victorians, they turn up in some kind of, you know, days, so they, just, they just go, you know, like, sort of like bees to honey, they can't help themselves. So... <laughs> So there's this Victorian. He's turning up to the MCG on Wednesday night to watch the Washington State of Origin. Uh, and this reporter says to him, so who are you going for? You know, New South Wales or Queensland? He said, oh, that's easy. How's that easy? He says, Queensland. And the guy said, why? He said, because the enemy of our enemy is our friend. <laughs> I thought, this guy's been reading Cicero. He's got it. <laughs> the enemy of our enemy as our friend the, the wisdom that you get right Watching the state of origin You never knew that it would come your way did you And, and here's the thing if, if, a, if a similar angst Can cause strangers to, to, to swarm together How much more a similar passion If you have the same Objective the same value The, 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 the same desire The same focus then that's what's needed. Now, what I love about that is that means that the Christian church should be the greatest platform for friendship on the face of the earth because our focus, our passion is the greatest love the world has ever seen. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine a church? Just put it out there. Could you imagine a church that was filled with believers who were so in love with Jesus that, that became their point of unity. That was their common focus. And it didn't matter if there was some teenage boy born in New Zealand, right, or some uh, you know, uh, older lady, say, born in Czechoslovakia. It doesn't matter because we have the same passion for Jesus. So we can be friends. Because friendship is discovered. And it's discovered through a similar passion a similar objective c.s lewis writes further on this c.s lewis says and again listen to this because this is profound if you want nothing but approval you'll never have a friend (laughs) because friendship always needs something besides friends people who want friends can never make any the condition for having them is having something beyond them so as i said I, i really believe that we because we come here every sunday and we talk about our passion is jesus the more you love jesus the more you love his people you see if if you don't you don't like the people of god then you don't like god (laughs) because that you can't separate the two the closer you get to god the closer you get to his people paul arrives at this this city and never been there before boom we have a similar passion we're there I had a, a, a young woman come and visit me during the week who, who represents a mission organization that we, we support in, in Iran. And her heart is for Iran. Our heart is for Iran. And she's going to come and talk to us. She's said, come and stay at our house. Yeah, that'd be great, she said. I invited this, this woman to come and stay at my house. I've never met her before in my life. And she said, yes. <laughs> Why would you do that? Because we have a similar passion because there's a similar focus so immediately there's a sense of hey i can trust you i know who you are i've never met you before but i know about you and i know about you i know who you are and so boom all of a sudden we can share which brings me to the second point where i said friendship is not just discovered friendship is made let me use the analogy you think aren't they a contradiction well if you're a sculptor here today you know it's not a contradiction right because if you're a sculptor you get rock that you didn't create but then you make something from it right anybody any artist knows that the raw materials are discovered but then the finished product is made so there is there is there is some work to do here see you might uh, i said before that uh, the reason you don't have friends the reason you feel loneliness is not because there's something wrong with you it's because there's something right with you but there may well be people in this room who don't have friends because of their inability to to do what we're about to find out because of your own misgivings because of your own you know um, sin if you will people do tend to separate themselves uh, from us and 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 that is the greek word for for friendship um is is that is the greek word and it means to share and what we see here is people sharing some amazing things what do we see them share firstly they shared their feelings they wept right that's an emotion do you share your emotions? Friends share their emotions. The, share, the, the, the sharing of emotion builds relationship. And Paul, they're on there cl- crying on the beach, you know, hugging each other. It's clearly, there is clearly a free flowing of emotion. And uh, I think if you're going to become a friend with somebody, then, it, then you have to be able to get over, you know, your inability to share your emotion. They share, me, they share their goods. I'm going to stay at our house. Um, Paul went and stayed at, their, pl- at, at their, their place and they shared their, obviously, their, their bed and their, their refrigerator, obviously in the refrigerator, but you know what I mean, their food and so on and so forth. They shared their life, their, their possessions with Paul and, and I would encourage you, really encourage you. If you've never had somebody into your house, you know, what's wrong with you? Do something about that. Invite them there. If you've never invited anybody from the church over to your house, you need to get that right today because you can't build friendships if you don't invite people over and share what you have share your ability to cook or if you don't have an ability to cook you know share takeaway from down the road whatever you know but but share something share your seats Uh, you've got to you've got to have people into your house folks that's what builds connection that's what builds relationship that's what builds the the church actually it's you inviting you into your house and if your house becomes your fortress then there's something not quite right with that folks we've got to invite people into our dwelling so they can share our lives with us and they did that they share their faith they're praying for each other but there's one other thing they share which i'm going to talk about for a few minutes because this is This is a bit prickly, all right? We get a little bit interesting here. We kind of, you know, share goods, yeah, sure, that's good. Share feelings, yeah, I get that. Share faith, good, good, I'm good good with you there. But this is interesting. I I read a moment ago in verse 4, and I'm going to read it again, uh, Acts 21, verse 4. It says, Through the Spirit they urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. He's in Tyre, right? He's left Ephesus on his way to Jerusalem. Halfway he stopped in Tyre. These people he'd never met before, he's gone into their homes, and they've urged him by the spirit to not go Um, rewind a few verses to chapter 20 verse 22 Paul says this and now compelled by the spirit I'm going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there Um, so (laughs) here's a very interesting thing they shared that we find difficult to share and that is this they shared life decisions they shared life decisions. And what's so interesting about this is that Paul didn't listen to them. <laughs> but he didn't shut them down. He didn't say, go away, none of your business, right? He listened to them, but he didn't follow what they had to say. Isn't that interesting? And not only that, but, but clearly they were leveraging, you know, people try to leverage the old Holy Spirit thing, you know. By the Spirit, don't go to Jerusalem. <laughs> and Paul had already decided he was going to Jerusalem and and there's some interesting lessons there which we could talk about but i haven't got time about making if anyone ever shares anything to you by the spirit make sure it's confirming what you're already doing and not contrary to the direction that god's given you in your life so that here here you have these people urging paul to go in a direction that he doesn't take right but that's not that's really not my point My, my point is that they felt they could enter into Paul's decision-making processes, and that is deep community, isn't it? If someone can come and say to you, you know, because pe- what happens when people come to you as the pastor, you know, means the pastor say, "God's told me this." Once you say that, it's like, forget it. See you later. You know, how can I argue with you? You're, you know, if you've heard from God, I can't say anything. I, I can't, you know, rebuttal that. Um, so clearly, Paul hadn't come and used that that argument because they felt they could say hey paul we just feel by the spirit you shouldn't go to jerusalem And paul's response obviously is oh okay i'll take that on board but i feel by the spirit to go so god bless you (laughs) isn't that interesting i find that so interesting that paul was open to that statement but was not confused or directed by it and i think there is a real maturity there where we can be open to what to bring other people into the decisions of our life but not being uh subject or not being held hostage to them if we know it's something different we go well okay you that's interesting you're entitled to your opinion but that's not what god has told me and i know where god is leading me so i'm going to continue to go to jerusalem god bless you and uh <coughs> excuse me I, I think that's that's such a uh, uh an interesting thing to open your life to the critique of others even when you don't agree with their critique, is a really interesting thing to do, I think, don't you? Um, So so what have we got? We've got friendship is is needed. The fact that you feel isolated and lonely isn't because there's something wrong with you. It's because you created an image of God. Friendship is discovered. You find someone who has the same passion as you, but then it's built. It's built through sharing. You share your feelings. You share uh, your goods. uh, You share your faith. And you actually share decisions. And... uh, just before I go on to the last point, um, can I say uh, there's no the problem with this, right? Is that it's not driven by external pressure. Romantic love is very much driven by external pressure, or internal pressure, your hormones. External pressure, your mother. I don't know. Let's just put it out there. Uh, <laughs> um, or your father. I don't know, darling. But whatever. <laughs> you know getting married yet maybe you've never heard that uh but you know so there is this external pressure that can push romantic relationships you know i gotta find me someone i gotta find me someone oh the clock is ticking (laughs) there's a window (laughs) you know there's a window that window closes i'm done you know what i mean and so there is these there is this external pressure that pushes you into romantic relationships um family relationships again can be driven by external pressure can't they You know, you ever get the phone call from your father or your mother? How come you never ring? How come you never visit? I'm on my way, mum. I'm coming. You know, how many, how many know that families can tend to not be backward in coming forward when they expect stuff from you, right? And so, you know, you're sort of there. You know, if you don't turn up with everybody else at Christmas time, you're in trouble, and you know it, right? So there's that pressure. Okay, a part of the family. Yeah, we'll be there. We'll be there. Friendships, on the other hand, the problem with I'm talking about is that there's nothing to drive this. If, if you isolate yourself from friends, you're right? you might have a spouse, and you might have a mother and a father and uncle and auntie and so on and so forth. You might have those, but you've isolated yourself from friends. that you know there's no external pressure that's going to bother you? You can live your life like that, and nobody will raise an eyebrow. If you don't go to mum's place or grandma's place or uncle's place for Christmas, the eyebrows will be risen, right? You know, if if you don't kind of match up in time, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) There might be in your world some eyebrows risen. But if you don't have a friend, who's going to know? Who's going to care? That's the problem. The problem is you can get away with it. And so we tend to. Last thought after saying goodbye to each other we went aboard the ship and we returned home we continued our voyage to Tyre and landed in Potomolus where we greeted the brothers and sisters and stayed with them for a day leaving the next day we reached Caesarea stayed at the house of Philip the evangelist one of the seven what I find interesting about this little phrase which is we're going to stop here was the constant we we went aboard the ship we continued our voyage when they know that Paul's going to Jerusalem to die what do you mean by we Paleface? <laughs> you know what I'm saying that's an old Lone Ranger joke too over, over your head I understand <laughs> uh, when uh, I'm too old for most of you but uh, when um, you know when the Lone Ranger was threatened right Tonto his, his faithful assistant when Lone Ranger's life was going to die Tonto's like you know and hey, what do you mean we Paleface? Well, I'm with the Indians you know <laughs> and so he crosses lines right well, my point is, Luke here is going to Jerusalem with other Jews that are going to kill Paul, in essence. He actually, they shoot him off to Rome and whatever happens. But, but, but my, my, my point is, Luke had the option to kiss Paul goodbye, <laughs> but he went with him. He this this, this we. Word keeps coming out through the narrative. We went and we went. And why would you do the we if you know at the end game, it's curtains? Wouldn't you pull the, you know, you pull the trigger? Wouldn't you get out of there? But he stays with him. And, and, and here's just my last thought. We're going to pray, and, and I'm going to go share this again down at our Collingwood Park location. But just a thought for you: the friendships are eternal. There are some people who think God is one. You know, they lift their hands to heaven. God is one. And God was isolated and alone until he created man or created angels. Till then it was just. But we don't believe that. We believe that God is a triune being Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And there was friendship. There was community. There was relationship in the very being of God. For from eternal from eternity to eternity this is an eternal relationship and we believe that death is merely a door through which we pass into another greater experience when you read proverbs it talks about it talks about god and his son wisdom being together forever and uh, my simple thought is friendships are eternal this is not just about you and me for now, but I'm an eternal being. This body, this, this flesh that I'm wandering around in, one day you'll put that in the grave and it will dissipate and ashes to ashes and all that thing. But, but the, the essence of me, my spirit, who I am, there's no conclusion to it. I, I will live forever. I'm eternal and you're eternal. And one day we'll be together on the other side. That's why it's so important that we love each other. <laughs> That's why it's so important that we forgive and that we extend grace. Because, fellow believers, <laughs> there ain't no escaping me. I'm sorry. <laughs> if you go to heaven, I'm going to heaven. We're going to be together forever. Together, literally, together forever. Forget death is to part because there's no death there. God is an eternal relationship and so are we we are eternal relationships we're created in his image uh, imagine a world where, where people shared their lives they shared their thoughts they shared their emotions they shared their belongings imagine a world like that where people just didn't hold themselves and you know what I'm saying there's, a, you know, there, there's cheap fridges at Aldi or something and we all fight to get through or whatever you know Everyone's fighting for themselves and grabbing for themselves. Uh, imagine someone who gets there and says, oh, you wanted this, or no, after you, you first. Imagine a world like that. It's a bizarre world, right? Imagine a church. This is a bizarre thought, but imagine a church where it didn't matter the gender, the ethnicity, the age, or the socio-economic uh, position of the person. We just clumped together because we were overwhelmed with a passion for Jesus. Imagine a church like that. That's something we can do, folks. If you can imagine that, then just think about the potential here. We can actually do it because Jesus died not to just reconcile us with God, but to reconcile us with one another. Let's bow our heads. We're going to pray. Father, I thank you for everybody in this room. I thank you for your incredible grace towards us. And I pray, God, as we discover and build friends, because we have a need and we're eternal, Lord, let that be done with purity and let that be done with honesty and integrity and the holiness of your presence as we walk through that process and create this church that we read about here in the book of Acts in Jesus name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this podcast.